We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to Talking Buffalo Podcast, where we often highlight Buffalo sports, news, media, and entertainment. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. You can find me on Twitter, at Pat Moran Tweets. Thank you for locking in today. This is, I don't want to say the last time ever, but certainly for the time being and the foreseeable future. Last time I'm doing an episode from the lovely state of Florida. As everybody knows, if you listen to this podcast anyway, I'm going back to Buffalo this weekend. So it's, for me anyway, the end of an era, man. And had him on Tuesday's show or Wednesday's show, I should say. It's casual Friday, so he's always on. My man, Joe Yurden. What's going on again, dude? What is up? Yeah, it's nice to see nice to see you again this week because that means actual stuff was happening <laughs> for yeah. once. Like that's yeah. that's a that's that's a good thing because because if you got me on talking hockey stuff in the you know the death of summer, like cool, down with it. Like, it, I mean, if you needed somebody to do football stuff, that's probably not me. Like you don't like if if the Bills like you know traded for Zach Ertz, you're, you're not talking to me about that. But well, maybe uh, not that specifically. But you can hold your own <laughs> with sports. That's one of the reasons why I, I like can. having you on and. One of the reasons why I like doing a casual Friday with you is because, yeah, hockey is obviously your your strongest area of expertise, but you're a baseball guy. You can hold mm-hmm. your own with football and, and other sports and wrestling, which, by the way, a little spoiler alert for later in this episode, <laughs> as everyone knows, we do a starting five every week, and this week it's going to be our favorite all-time wrestlers. We were talking about this completely self-indulging category for me this mm-hmm. week, but it's all right. We'll go with it. Like I said, man, this is... Uh, Oh, this is, I don't know for most people personally, yeah, whatever. But for me personally, this is a little bit of a kind of a sentimental episode. I, I started this podcast in my bedroom in Bradenton, Florida, back in February of 2018. And now here we are in early July, literally five years, almost five years to the day that I moved down here. And I am sitting in a Marriott Courtyard hotel room. Sitting here, Joe yearning on my on my computer screen right now, and and again, I mean, not too much is going to change. I'm gonna have you on next Friday, but the location for me and the memories that come with it, um, you know, this is it, man. This is it for me down here in Florida. And I still remember when I first decided I wanted to do this podcast. I remember spending many, many, many hours on YouTube, um, you know, kind of researching podcasts and gear to get and 
figuring out who had podcasts in Buffalo and what was going on. And this is like in late 2017. And, you know, three years, three and a half years later, here I am again, sitting in a, in a hotel room, which by the way, is a big improvement over the taping that we did Tuesday night. Fans <laughs> probably listening didn't really hear it, but I certainly did. And Joe saw it too. I was outside in a, in a very damp, um, outside of the hotel at a table because I couldn't find a quiet spot inside the tape, which ironically, and I hit at this at the end because this was literally at the end of our episode when we taped this late Tuesday night, a security guard, not a security guard, uh, whoever the person is, the desk person came out and says somebody was complaining about the noise. And uh, I had, to, we were shutting it. Fortunately, the episode was ending anyway, but it would have ended no matter what because they were making me shut it down. I guess apparently, even though I was outside, there were people above us and I don't know, I guess I, I have what my wife calls podcast voice where I just naturally talk loud. Yeah. So I was, I was pissing some people off, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they got a free show. What are they talking? What's their problem? Yeah. The, per, they, the, the guy who, who complained, he says, uh, he goes, he probably hates your, your voice. and hates your show. <laughs> <laughs> is it probably and, a Dolphins fan. That's what I, that's what, that's my guess. Yeah, there. yeah, for sure. I mean, it is a Buffalo, a Buffalo shirt. A Buffalo show. Anyway, look real quick here, and then we're gonna dump or we're gonna dive into some Sabres press conference talk because Kevin Adams and uh, new coach Don Granado had their press conference on Thursday morning. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about Josh Allen, and then, like I said, we're gonna do our starting five draft that we do every week. Before that, though, on on a serious note, there's three people in particular that I really want to thank. And again, I'm kind of uh, bear with me for a minute. I'm kind of just in one of those sentimental moods today because doing a podcast is not easy and doing a podcast multiple times per week can get very hard. And especially when you're doing two episodes, sometimes three or even four in a week during certain times of the year, not easy. And especially the kind of podcast that I do because I'm completely reliant on guests. I've said this before. I suck solo. I can't do a seven minute podcast by myself. It's terrible. And I, I can't listen to myself for seven minutes, but there's been a couple of people. It's hard to get guests. You know, I, I've been very fortunate and blessed. I've been able to talk to over the, these first three and a half years down here, living in Florida, doing this. I've had some great guests, man. I, I've had Adam Schefter and, and Lee Steinberg and, you know, so many national people and, and so many local Buffalo media people. It's been awesome. But getting a guest consistently could get hard. You know, you get somebody on once, maybe twice, and, and then, you know, it's just they don't have the time or they don't want to do it. And then things come up, people have to cancel, and you're always in a pinch looking for people. There's three people that I really wanted to specifically thank. One of them is Aaron Quinn from Cover One. He's been on the show so many times. And again, these are people that I typically could call on very little notice, and they'll come on the show. So I wanted to thank Aaron Quinn. Joe from Queens, Buffalo Wins on Twitter. He's an asshole on Twitter and everybody knows it. <laughs> <laughs> right, Joe? Am I wrong? I'm not lying. You know that. The he's a fun asshole, though. But but anyway, he's another one. Pretty much from day one, man. When I, when I get stuck, and he knows it, too. He, 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 I've admitted it to him. He's a lot of times when I do a show, he's not the guest that I wanted to have on or it wasn't my first choice. You know, I was supposed to have Joe Yurden on this week, but Joe, something came up and he couldn't do it. So I'm, I'm calling Joe from Queens. And Joe, nine times out of 10, would always hop on and, you know, have his takes and strong takes. Some I agree with, some I don't. But anyway, my point was those two guys, Aaron and Joe, have just been so freaking accessible to me. And they've, they've saved me many, many, many times. 
And then the last person I wanted to thank while I had you on, man, is, is you. <laughs> Seriously, and I, I really, I truly, I'm, I mean this, man. So you've been on every Friday now for the last couple months. I enjoy doing this casual Friday. But beyond that, anytime I just need you, period. Look no further than just a couple days ago, man. Anytime mm -hmm. I need you, usually without, you know, reservation, you're, you're always there. And, and I'm just, I want to let you know and everyone knowing that, you know, and, and not even that, it's that you usually, it's like no, not a lot of notice either. Like, <laughs> Joe, I need you. Oh, by the way, I need you in a couple hours tonight if you could do this. And 99 out of a hundred times you're there for me. And look, you're a great podcasting talent. And we've talked about this before. Everybody knows this. You got a great voice. I think you're very well-rounded. Like I said, I don't just consider you a hockey guy. That's your strength, but it's not the only thing that you could talk about. But beyond that, like I said, friendship-wise, man, you're even better dude than just my podcasting buddy right now, my <laughs> you know casual Friday cohort. So I want everyone out there to just know how much I appreciate Joe Yurden, man. So seriously, bro, thank you so much for just being so available for me. And again, saving my ass many times, not to mention these episodes are really good. And because of me, I, I give you the credit. I, I I might tee it up for you or give you a topic, but people tune in. They don't tune in to hear what I got to say. They tune in to hear what you got to say. And you're always there for me, man. So I appreciate you. I just wanted you to know that. Well, listen, that like it's all fun. Like that's the, that's the best part. Like, like I mean, it's it you you jump in and you're serious about doing this. Like I mean, if you're gonna do podcasts, you can't just like half-ass it. You can't just be like, I'll do it one whenever I want to do it. Like you're you're on it always and like just being asked to be on stuff like i think that's like to me that's always cool as hell like most like, i'm i if i ever have to turn somebody down it's just because i'm not available I'm like or i've prioritized somebody else like you know i'm just kind of like hey i can't do it i'm busy whatever but like dude you, like i always can tell you're you're stressed if you got to ask me for like a sudden thing you're just like oh man listen i know if you can't do it i understand instead i'm just like <laughs> hang on I got shit else going on, man. Like I'm, I'm down. Like when, whenever you're, you're like, okay, what time do you want to do it? I'm like, I don't care. When are you, when's good for you? I'm, I'm good then. Cause. But you've nice. always been that way with me, even before, like when you were the athletic mm -hmm. all, at all times, ever since I first had you on. And I remember I'm going back to like the first 40 episodes or so. Mm -hmm. Every time I've ever asked you, you know, you might have more time right now currently, but even when you didn't, you made time for me to, to, to be on. And you know, I just, I really do. I, I appreciate you, man. I, I truly do. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to, uh, as fun as it is plugging in every week and, and, you know, jumping on our Zencaster software and doing it this way. And I mean, you want to talk about casual Friday. This is literally casual. Like I said, we're <laughs> sitting there video zoom or whatever the hell you want to call this shit. But I, I'm actually even more so looking forward to, uh, getting back home to Buffalo and being able to sit down. Cause I think we'll have even a better dynamic in person, not that we're going to be in person every single week, but at least right. sometimes we will, you know, we'll hook up whether it's wings or pizza or coffee or beers somewhere, who knows, figure it out. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be even more fun getting back to Buffalo and, uh, being able to do this. And which, by the way, I, I kind of hit on this on Wednesday's episode. I got a little shout out already from the mayor. What do you want to call her? Mayor elect mayor, um, to be presum presumptive I, mayor, presumptive well, the, mayor, I think is the, is the way to go. Well, not if Byron Brown has anything to do with it, I, well, I guess, though, man. You I can mean, go. What's up with that, by <laughs> the way? I don't even to do that. So, I mean, Talk look. sore I'm, losers. Jeez. I, I'm not no political expert, trust me when I tell you that. But 
So you could lose a primary and just decide that you want to do it again and just be a writing candidate? Anybody could do that? Well, is this like a special circumstance or something? Do you even know? Uh, I, I, what I do know is that uh, the rules for New York State for like getting, you know, getting your name on the ballot and all that, like you have to get that stuff done so early. And like when it's a primary, it's like that's your battle to get on the ballot. And if you're not signed up in time for stuff, like you just don't get on there. So like Buffalo is such a hard Democratic city, like Democratic voting city that the Republicans don't even run somebody. They're just like, forget it. Like <laughs> they right. don't stand a chance. They're not going to win. Um, and so like that's why the Democratic primary is always like that's that's how you decide the mayor. And for whatever reason, Brown decided like he didn't need to campaign. He's just like, they're not going to vote for this lady. Forget it. And I think he might have gotten word like a few days before the, uh, the, the, the election that, hey, man, you might want to try because she's really trying hard and there's a lot of buzz. So you might want to get out there. So some, so it's like they, like they caught his people like going around stuffing lawn signs on, on lawns like two days before the vote. And he started doing appearances and then he scheduled that scheduled the first pitch for the day after the primary to throw it, uh, to throw at the, uh, the Jays game. And which turned out to be really hilarious because it turned into him grandstanding out in front of the stadium being like, Hey, I, I should be, I should, I should still have won. And it's like, dude, you punted on the primary because you figured you had it in the bag. Just own up to it. Just be like, I blew it. It stinks. So instead now he's going on this whole bender of and like to get on the right like to write him ballot like you can write in anybody anytime like i mean but he's making a big deal about it because he's just like there's no way they want to vote for this lady i'm like dude you lost already like <laughs> did he like, only get like ten thousand votes or something like that somewhere it was, around that ballpark uh some i forget what it was but like she beat him like they after the 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 mail or the uh the mail-in ballots or whatever um the absentee ballots i should say she ended up winning by a thousand one votes sorry, dude, you lost, like take a hike. But instead he's just, now he's cozying up to all the really bad people around Buffalo that are, <laughs> that are now terrified that a, you know, somebody well, shouldn't who, laugh. like, like they're terrified that a socialist is going to be the mayor. And like every developer in town is just like, no, my projects, no, please. I need to make my buildings. I need to have more Starbucks and, and, you know, shitty bars and whatever. Like, so they're all terrified that like the, you know, the, the deals that, Brown, you know, basically rubber stamp for them are now going to go to like making the city better. And they're like, hey, you can't do that. You can't help the people out. You got to help me, the millionaire developer guy and all my cohorts. So there's a lot of like it, it and it like, you know, Brown cozies up to guys like Carl Paladino, like, dude, you ain't a Democrat anymore. If that's he denies the case. <laughs> it. I seen that. I seen that he denies it. And then I seen Paladino had a tweet or some kind of statement that mm. he's donated money or whatever. Again, I'm no political expert, but here's what I know. And it's funny when you said about my, Mayor Brown, about who he's turning to and stuff like that, because, all right, so a quick refresher. Earlier in the week, I put out a tweet that I was um, going to be moving back to Buffalo uh, you know, when I woke up this time next week, I would be a Buffalonian again and I didn't tag anybody. And, you know, I got a lot of, Hey, well, you know, congratulations or welcome back. Like, you know, this and that couple who gives a shit, you know, the typical <laughs> Twitter stuff. Didn't you say something, by the way, you had mentioned something. It might've been even last week that Twitter or Buffalo, you said Buffalo is the something you said, city of good neighbors, not the city of good Twitter or, or, right. uh, or what was the yeah. statement? It was oh, hilarious, man. Yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, because I I forget what it was now. 
Yeah, it was City of Good Neighbors, not City of Good Tweeters. I think it was. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, that was because it's true. By the way, it's completely <laughs> true. So anyway, yeah. So I got the typical response, and but I didn't tag anybody, and then all of a sudden, in India Walton, who again is the presumed to be the next mayor, tweeted at me and said something along the lines of, you know, with exclamation point, welcome back. Um, you're picking a great time to come back to Buffalo, yada, yada, yada. So then I tweeted back at her, you know, thank you, Miss Mayor to be. And I'd love to get you on the podcast, which I, I would love to have her on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I want to have a conversation with her? I know about a lot of the stuff going on with some people think, good, let's talk about some of this shit, man. That's mm-hmm. what that's one of the very big reasons why I'm so much looking forward to coming back to Buffalo because I feel like I can get involved in things that I don't have a right to when I'm living in Florida. But anyway, um, so yeah, I tweeted that at her and then all hell broke loose on, on my Twitter. Just people <laughs> tweeting nasty shit. So then I said something uh, about the fact and I was joking for the most part. I said, all right, well, India Walton is welcoming me back to Buffalo. I said, meanwhile, Byron Brown looks like the mayor from the wire. You know, no one thing missing was that Clay Davis guy used to go, she, I don't know if you ever watched the wire, but the guy goes, she with that. He was the only thing missing during that, uh, announcement that he's, you know, the writing campaign this week. So I said that tongue in cheek for the most part, and it just got ugly from there. Is Buffalo going to be, is this going to be an ugly time for, for Buffalo right now with this election? I mean, is this going to be a mini version, at least a mini version of what we just had to go through last year when it was Biden versus Trump for the presidency? Is that, yeah. is that what this is coming to? I, I think so, I, because it's now getting a lot of attention countrywide. Uh, because, I, listen, I, she might be the first socialist mayor since the 60s. So, you know, and everybody gets bent out of shape about, oh, socialism, communism. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, you know, listen, boomers <laughs> like that, we, we didn't like I, you know, I, I think about me in my 40s growing up and watching the Berlin Wall come down. And I was like, communism, I don't get it. It's oh, it's over. OK, cool. Like like all, like the you know, the coup in Russia happened in like what, 89, 90 when they when they bro- broke up the Soviet Union, and all that stuff. So it's mm-hmm. just like. I'm over it. Like, and people are just like, it's gotta be just like China. It's gotta be just like, I was like no, man. Like, like you think Buffalo is going to be like China? Are you crazy? You lunatic? Like, come on. But like the like, people are just all kinds of bent out of shape about it. I'm just like, man, but like na- now that it gets national attention, we're going to start hearing about India Walton on Fox news. Probably like we got what, four months to go until, until November. It's going to get a lot of attention because it's it's because now it's it's not only like all the Republican, you know, boogeymen like coming out of the woodwork. But now it's like also, you know, the the centrist Democrats are just kind of like, hey, this is a little scary. I don't I don't you know, we're trying to keep them down a little bit like it's it's very, very weird. And like the more Brown, you know, says, oh, no, I'm not taking the support of, you know, Carl Paladino and these guys and wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Thanks for the check. You know, the more he keeps doing stuff like that, it's just like, well, this is why you're a phony. This is why people will like don't want you to be mayor anymore. But like, it's going to be really interesting to see how the city votes because it is it's hard Democrat. But like now we're going to find out who's really sick of Brown and who really wants to see some actual change happen in the city, which I mean, listen, it's she's going to have a hard job no matter what, because you know, common council and all that, like there's already three people in the common council that are like, no, we got to keep Byron Brown in power. And it's like, Dude, like, are you serious? Like, okay, fine. But, uh, but I mean, she's got the support of Sen- uh, state Senator Sean Ryan. So like, it's going to get weird. It's going to get weird. And like the, the Brown campaign and, you know, people affiliated with them are already taking very, 
dog whistly things to, 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 to poke holes in her and like what she's about and like, you know, digging in her, into her past, which I mean, she had a hard life, man, you know, stuff happens and like, they're starting to dig up a lot of that stuff. And it's just like, man, you're going to do this. Like, okay. Who hasn't so, had shit? Who hasn't done stupid shit? Who hasn't right. bent rules? All right. Now I'm not condoning anything that might've happened. I'm not even talking about her specifically, just generally speaking, man, I've never run for politics and that would be half the reason why. If some of the sh- if half the shit ever came out on me that I might have done in the past, it would get ugly as hell, man. It really would. And by the way, you said who has the support? Well, she has my support. This podcaster extraordinaire is going to support her just because she's going to do my podcast. That's all I really give a shit about. I'm gonna be honest <laughs> with you, man. You guys could decide who to vote for. Whatever political crazy shit going on in Buffalo aside, what's the vibe of the city, man? What am I walking into when I get into Buffalo well, late Sunday night? So we'll just say the beginning of next week. What kind of vibe is it in Buffalo right now? How are people dealing with, uh, you know, like mask or no mask? Is it, are people still fighting about shit? Is it is it a good vibe right now? What's up with Buffalo? I think it's chilled out, honestly. I think that the most tumultuous thing is the mayor stuff. But I think every everybody's really kind of relaxed um, because, you know, now that the state dropped the mask mandates and now it's like wear it if you want to which I mean, Hey, that's fine. Um, I think everybody's kind of chilled out with that. I mean, like being at, uh, you know, is that another Jays game on, uh, on Wednesday night, uh, watching them play the Mariners and I got to get to a game. Yeah. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. Um, but like, it's, it's, uh, like nobody, like hardly anybody's masked up, but like everybody's cool. Like everybody's relaxed, you know, like, and, you know, people might not be Jays fans, but they love baseball. Like, I love baseball. I'm not a Jays fan. I'm a Yankees fan. And, like, that's that's a, that's a different kind of annoyance right now. But, um, but like, it's cool <laughs> to go to a game. Like, that's, like, that's my whole thing. It's like, I don't care who's playing here Major League Baseball-wise. I'm going to games. Like, that's, for me, it's just, that's just cool as hell. It's the only year this is going to happen. And they might be out of here, like, in August. Like, who knows? Like, we don't know what's going to happen with the border. Like, all it's going to take is is Ontario to sign off on it. They're going to go like, they'll go back as soon as they're able to, like, there's no doubt, but as they should, but like everybody's, but like everybody's chill. Like the only crazy places right now are are like, if you're out on a Friday or Saturday night, trying to, trying to have a nice social Friday or Saturday night. And like, every place is packed, like every place is packed. And like, listen, this is what we predicted was going to happen. Like people are, people are going to get the freedom and they were going to freak the fuck out and just go, go bonkers. And it's it's made me even more of like like a half townie now because like my favorite hangouts like on Fridays and Saturdays I'm like I don't I don't even want to go near it <laughs> keep me away from it I don't I like there's like a whole new crowd of people coming in like lots of faces I don't recognize or anywhere and I'm just kind of like yeah I don't need this <laughs> I I don't need this tonight I'll just stay at home Friday and Saturday night and then, you know if I need to go out sometime I'll just go out during the week and like watch a game at the bar or something you know <laughs> I uh. Yeah. Well, again, down here in Florida, it's been that way for a long time. I, it was an adjustment for me to get used to not wearing a mask anywhere. I obviously got fully vaccinated as soon as I could. But mm-hmm. even then, for a little while, I was still wearing a mask. And then I started to take it off because obviously down here in Florida, things are, what, what do you, what's, the, what's the nicest way I could say it? They're relaxed, okay? The restrictions are relaxed. Um, are dangerous translation. Nobody <laughs> fucking pays attention. And, and you know, it's been that way in Florida for a long time. They just do what they want, whatever. But I didn't, I was wearing a mask. I was supposed to be in these stores. And even when it wasn't a requirement anymore, if you were fully vaccinated, which I am, mm-hmm. I still felt awkward for a little bit. 
walking in the stores without a mask because I did all the time. And I still felt like people were almost looking at me, judging that I didn't have one on if they were wearing a mask and looking at me. And I know that because that's exactly how I felt before. Like yeah. everyone was able to get vaccinated. And when it was uh, at first, it was only, you know, really old people or people who had these specific conditions, which actually one of them was the reason why I was able to, I judged people. I'm like, mm-hmm. what kind you know, you're an asshole. You're walking around this. Everybody, you're supposed to wear a mask. It says mask required right on the fucking sign. And <laughs> you're not wearing a mask. Right. And I guarantee you at the time, most of these people weren't, they were one of those, you know, those freedom fighters, whatever you want to call them. I was judgy. So mm-hmm. now I'm not wearing a mask anymore and I'm not wearing a mask anymore. I can't remember the last time I put a mask on. Next time I will wear a mask is at the airport because that's one of the few places you still have to wear them. Mm-hmm. But now, but it was a process for me to get comfortable not wearing a mask because A, again, I'm fully vaccinated and I feel safer, but also B, just I, I felt like people were looking at me and judging me who still had a mask on when I didn't, you know, if that makes any sense to you, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, like I get it. It's weird. Like the one weird part for me now is that I'll, I'll still occasionally wear the mask if I'm going into like Wegmans or, you know, target or someplace where there's just gonna be a ton of people in there. And I still wear it because like there's family considerations health wise, you know, back, back home where it's like, sure. let's not, let's not carry something home. You know, if I, you know, go for a visit, like you don't want to bring something, something to the folks that's not a gift, you know, like you don't want to do that. And, but like the thing that gets me though, is that the signs on the doors always say you have to wear a mask if you're not vaccinated. Like if you're, if, but if you are, it's optional. And I'm like, so I'm like, I know you said like the signs say optional, but now I'm wearing, like if I wear one in the store, I'm good. If I get looked at, I'm going to be like, oh, they're going to think I'm not vaccinated. Oh no, I don't want that. (laughs) Like, and now it's the, it's like the complete opposite, you know, effect. And Honestly, I'm I'm hoping I've been secretly hoping that one day somebody's going to pop up in front of me and be like, hey, why don't you get vaccinated? So that way I can just make them feel like the absolute most lowest form of life on Earth when I tell them why I'm choosing to wear one. So they can be like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, just get away from me, nosy prick. (laughs) Just get out of my face. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm back with Joe Yurden. So we are taping this like we usually do for Casual Friday, Thursday mid-afternoon. General Manager Kevin Adams and uh, new permanent head coach 
Don Granado both spoke to the media via Zoom, of course, um, on Thursday morning. And I want to get your reactions. I know you've written about it a little bit uh, this afternoon, too. Uh, let me give you mine real quick, because mm-hmm. and then I want yours, because yours will have much more detail and, and significance than mine. Here's, here's what I think about these press conferences today. They, <laughs> nothing, the needle didn't move for me one bit, not one iota. And uh, it's not, and I've talked to you about this and I've talked about this to other people on the podcast. I like the Don Granado decision. You've talked about this multiple times. In fact, just this week, and I completely agree with you. I think it's the right hire for the direction that they're going. I like him and I like hearing him talk for the record too, for the most part. I think he's got some interesting things to say, but this press conference today, not that it was really designed to, I'll, I'll give them that. But it just didn't, it didn't move the needle for me about how I feel about this franchise. Not even a little bit. I think maybe they would have been better served to have these pressers maybe separate. Like maybe Granado speaks for a half hour, 45 minutes. And then Adams does afterwards. It was kind of like back and forth. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I don't know. And I know you're going to talk about this. Kevin Adams really didn't say shit, man. You know, he, he was playing dodge and, and duck like you tweeted about it. I saw your tweet yes. about that. Um, I wanted to hear more from Granado about the team and stuff like that and ask him questions, then ask Adams. But it was almost like Granado was jumping in front of, you know, jumping in front of some bullets mm-hmm. for Adams so he could talk less. I, I just, it didn't move the needle for me. But anyway, I want to get your take. I don't know. I, I suppose let's start with the general manager. Actually, let's start, let's start with Adams. Like, what did you think about anything he had to say today? I, I enjoyed I enjoyed very much uh, watching him try to get out of talking about Jack. Like the first, you know, so uh, obvious. John, you know, John Vogel asked him, like, you know, you know, are you communicating with him? You know, like, what's going on? What's the story? And he goes, he goes, well, you know, we're, we're communication's really strong, you know, for for everybody, for all our players, and you know, we got to have like he goes on this whole thing about like having great communication. And says nothing about Jack. So like that answer ends. And I think if you could see the panel of faces on the Zoom call, you just see all of us go, what? Like, is that really? That's your answer? So when so when Mike Harrington follows back, like, you know, he, you know, he had a question for 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 Granado, and he's like, he's like, also, Kevin, I gotta ask you, like, John's question, you didn't actually give an answer. Can you? Can you actually try to answer that now? <laughs> because like the Zoom calls, you, you never get a follow up on a Zoom call. It's like you ask your question, you're done. Like that's it. You don't get to follow it up. So you got to hope somebody else picks up the torch to follow up and be like, hey, that was bullshit, man. Like, like you, can you try to answer the question? And he took a long route to, towards saying, saying he spoke with uh, Jack's agent, Peter Fish, yesterday for a long time. I'm like, just say that. Just like. I know you're trying to not feed the fire, but like, just tell him, like, just tell us what, like what happened. I know he, he doesn't want to get any more follow-up questions to that, but like, dude, quit dancing around it. Like, this is the question you're going to be asked like from now until it's done. And then when it's done, you're going to get asked about it even more afterwards. Like just like face facts. Like that's just how it's going to go. And I, it's, it, it's insane to me that like, it's, it's burying the lead and like trying to bury it like a thousand feet underground. You know, where he's just like, he's like, yeah, well, you know, I talked with this agent for for a long time yesterday. It was a great conversation. Just tell us that at the beginning. Like, you don't have to, like, go into this spiel about how great, you know, communications and key, you know, we, I got to talk to all the players. Well, no shit. You're the GM, man. Like, <laughs> of course you're talking to all the players. If you're choosing to not talk to guys, I got a big problem with that. But, like, 
I don't know, man. But like, you know, uh, we heard from Peter Fish. Peter Fish said, you know, we've been in conversation with them and we're looking towards a resolution in the near future. What kind of resolution here? Like this, like it's just it's just dangling out there. Like, is it a trade or like, you know, they're going to avoid his contract? Like what's going on here? Like what's, you know, like what kind of insane shit is going to happen? To me, I mean, it's still a trade. But like if there's a resolution coming shortly, get on with it. Like get it over with everybody. Every Sabres fan is just like, just cut the, you know, cut the string, man. It's over. Yeah. I, the only like nugget of actual, I think, information that came. Well, besides that, um, that he he's admitted he spoke to, he said Eichel, by the way, he never said the word G. He never said Jack Eichel. He just, he mm-hmm. would say Eichel. Um, I, I found that a little bit telling. Maybe that's just me overthinking things. But anyway, um, so there was that. And then he said that nothing had changed in terms of uh, the medical stuff. So, uh, yeah. you know, not, I, not, nothing surprising there, but I don't know, man. You know, f- f- for me, the I hate, I'm tired of it. And I know, and I got a lot of shit on Twitter because I, I complained about this, but I don't want to, I'm sick of hearing about players who want to be here, proud mm-hmm. to be here in the community and the culture and blah, blah, blah. That's all nauseating to me at this point. Win some, yeah. win some games, man. If you win games, Jack, I, I promise you this. I, I shouldn't say I promise you this. I'm very confident that if the Sabres were a, not even a cup, you know, favorite, if they were just a consistently competitive team, I would be shocked if Jack Eichel didn't want to be a part of this franchise or if Sam Reinhardt didn't want to stick around if this team was winning. And fans are just, I know that they're over it because, I'm again, I'm always on social media, bro, and I always see it. They're over it. And there's nothing you could say that's going to sell these fans at this point. The first pick ain't going to move the needle anymore. The, you've went through Jack Eichel, and pretty much his era's come to an end now. You had Rasmus Dahlin. You traded for Ryan O'Reilly. You signed Taylor Hall. All these names that were supposed to bring excitement and promise, and they might have worked short term, and then the team ultimately goes nowhere. You know, mm-hmm. I'm so sick of hearing about players that want to be here, man. Just win, get get players here that know how to win more hockey games, and when you do that, then they're gonna want to be here. Everything he said about the city, and so I'm not dissing the city and the community. He's right, man. We've been there. We know what it's like to. It seems like an eternity ago, but we know what it's like to support a good team and the fans turning out and party in the plaza and jerseys everywhere and all this fucking excitement in this town for hockey. But this team just perpetually sucks. That's why these guys don't want to be here. And that's why the fans hate them. And I heard a lot of shit on Twitter. People were like, well, Sean McDermott and, you know, same hyper bowl and Brandon Bean. Well, guess what? You know, that team wins. That's my point. If the bills sucked, I I would suspect that Josh Allen might not be so eager to want to be a Buffalo bill for life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, do you agree? Win, win games. I'm I'm tired of hearing about Kevin Adams talking about players who want to be here. Yada yada yada. I hate it. I hate you know it. I I've said on Twitter for a long time now. You want it because the the culture thing kills me because every GM since I've been here, every GM has talked about correcting the culture. You know whether it was Darcy at the end, uh, you know Pat Lafontaine for his you know short time being here said it. Tim Murray said it. You know. Dan Bilesma said it like all the coaches and the GMs have all said like, well, we got to fix this culture. We got to, you know, we got to get the chemistry. And it's like, you know how you fix that? Win. Winning fixes everything. You can have the most surly bunch of assholes in a room, but if you go, but if you win all the time, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Like think of all the, like think of the baseball teams where just like everybody hated each other, but when they, they win the world series, they're just like, yeah, who gives a shit? (laughs) We want a title, you know, like, 
that's that kind of stuff. And it's, and I think it's the, those, em, it's now empty platitudes of guys who want to be here, culture. And the only thing he was missing was talking about making it a blue collar team. Like that's the, that was the only lame, empty platitude that was missing. And honestly, it's at the point where now I, I think Buffalo wins can make a bingo board and have a cover all for like, you know, catchphrase statements at, at the, pre, at the, at these, at these press conferences for Adams. Cause like, <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it's almost the gimme that you could do a cover all honestly, because my God, man, like, it, it, and the thing that gets me though, is that like, if you've paid attention to this team and like how things have gone here in the past few years at all, you know, that's what these guys have all said. You know that what, like these, these things have all been said. And it's like, I don't know how you, you, you come out and say all the same stuff again and be like, no, I'm the guy that's going to do it. Like, well, yeah, so did everybody else that came through here. They all said they were going to do it. Did they? No, they didn't. So, you know, just talk is cheap. You know, talk is so cheap. And this at this point now with the Sabres, talk is empty. It's, you know, it's all show, don't tell now for, for, for the Sabres because you keep telling it and you keep failing. People are going to stop. It's, it's now, it's, you know, it's the kid who cried wolf. Like that's, that's totally what it is now. It's like, no, 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 culture, culture, culture. Like, all right, no, we're going to wait. We're going to compete for a Stanley Cup. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. How many times we finished last now, the last eight years? Oh, four times? Great, cool, awesome. <laughs> so, so I'm laughing because sometimes I sit here and I'm like, all right, man, so I got I got Joe on this week and we're going to talk about a variety of topics. And when we do that, <laughs> I sometimes have difficulty coming up with, uh, as simple as this may sound, a podcast title for the episode that I like. And you're talking and I'm sitting here. So I started, I started laughing. I'm like, well, Joe just named it. This episode is going to be casual Friday, empty platitudes. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Short, sweet to the point. I, I love it, man. All right. So, <laughs> so that's Kevin Adams. Granado also, like I said, spoke today. Um, you, you know, I, I got annoyed once I wrote down two things. One thing I, I didn't like and one thing I liked and I get it. Look, man, who doesn't kiss their boss's ass to some extent? You know what I'm saying? He's not going to come in guns blazing like a rebel and talk shit about his bosses. So I get that. Right. But that said, he had a quote and it said, uh, he's talking about the Bagulas. It's nice to know when you go to work each day, how much the people who run this business care about you. That's how I feel working for Terry and Kim Magula, And that's what energizes me. I'm like, nah, don't say that shit. <laughs> that Dude. ain't going to play well with, with, with me and it ain't going to play well with most fans. I didn't like that. I did like one thing that he did say, though. And I don't think this is just coach speaking words. I think the way they played, or at least attempted to play, given the roster they had last year, kind of uh, was true to what he said. He says, you're not going to get better by, um, he says, you're not going to get better playing conservative. Mm -hmm. I, I like that. You can kind of get the feel that he's going to be, hopefully with more talent or more developed talent around him you know, a little more aggressive type of coach. Like what was your takeaway or takeaways from uh, here in Don Granado today? Yeah. The, I mean, that line that you pointed out, like we're not going to win being conservative. I'm like, thank you. Because th I, that that's always the, the fail safe for coaches. Like if, you know, if you're lacking in talent or like whatever, you're, you're the fail safe is always like, well, we'll D up. We'll try to win a one goal game we'll see how it goes. Like, no, dude, like that's not going to work. Like, and like the team, the way this team's been built the last few years, it's like, yeah, they need to be more defensively responsible, but also they don't score goals. <laughs> like, like, how do you fix that? And I, I think letting, I, I think it's, and I think Granado kind of hit on this a little bit without saying it, but like letting guys just be how they're just 
play to their talents, play to their strengths and, and do what they're, what they're best at and like lean into that. That's where, you know, you start talking about guys like cousins and Darlene and, and, and them. And you're just like, if you let those guys do what they're, what they're great at, then they can be as good as they can, they, as good as they can be. And I tell you what, like the, the biggest thing that stood out to me, the difference between Granado talking and Adams talking, I mean, I'm, you know, aside from, aside from what I ran it about with Adams, but like, I actually believe Don Granado, which is sketchy to do because coaches, coaches can pump tires too. Like coaches can, you know, talk a lot of, talk sure. a lot of stuff, but like, I didn't hear like the usual empty words from him, you know, like looking back on Kruger, everything Kruger said sounded awesome. There's a lot of empty words there. Like there was just, there was just a lot of empty calories and you're just kind of like, wow, it sounded great. And then you go back and reread it. You're like, this dude didn't say shit, Like, but it sounded yeah. great. He looked very, you know, commandeering and commanding and saying it like, cool. But I mean, like, but he didn't say anything like, like that. That's the whole thing. I think with Granado though, like I get the sense that he, that he really gives a shit a, not that, and it's not that coaches don't give a shit they do, but like to actually like outwardly show that you do is nice. Like there's a lot of things that are really nice about Don and he's been around, like he's been around a bit. He's been a big development guy. So that's why, you know, if, if, and when the direction comes that like, this is just going to be, I mean, you're not necessarily punting on the year, but like you're saying, like, we're, we're starting over. I think you're better off with, I said this before, you're better off with him in charge, but like now I'm like, I get it. I get it. Like he's, you know, he's going to practice guys hard. He's going to do, you know, do all these things. And that's what they need. Like you, you got to stay sharp, man. Like you can't, you can't just like coast on your coast on your abilities and slap a system down and say like, all right, just figure it out, boys. Like, no, like you gotta, you gotta have some kind of direction. And I trust, I, you know, maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit with them, but I, uh, but I trust maybe, or should I say, maybe I'm eating the meatballs here. Maybe I'm tasting the sauce, but I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I buy it from coming from Don and I like, he's a likable guy. You want to root for him. And that's, that's how it is. I, what I fear about that is that we felt the same way about Phil Housley. Like, oh, geez, nice guy. Nice guy tries hard. He wants to win, you know, Sabres lifer, like, let's do it. And it didn't work. But I think in Don's case, he's he's got the development angle down so good and i think with where this team's headed that's that's the guy you need running the show uh, look man it's easy to be uh a monday morning quarterback and i'm not gonna lie i i like dan bleisman when they hired him i'm like mm-hmm. this guy's a winner that's what they need i liked phil housley when they hired him i'm like he's gonna be a young emerging coach who knows his city knows his franchise he's gonna be the right guy for the job and i like ralph Kruger. I don't really know much about him, but you know, I was convinced to to like him. So I'm gonna try to stay reserved on Granado. I was very reserved on when the Bills hired Sean McDermott. I was like, yeah, whatever. And look how uh, how that played out. You know, it's funny, Kevin Adams. I was just bitching about how he uh, he was, you know, same old bullshit. We want players, we want to be here, the community, this and that, yada yada yada. He should have. If I was him, I would have brought up the Phoenix Suns because this. And you want to sell some fans, give some fans mm-hmm. hope. Three years ago, I would have said this. Three years ago, the Phoenix Suns had the dead last worst record in the NBA. Now they're going to the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. That's the, you know, say something that's going to excite the fans. I don't know. That's just me thinking marketing-wise or something. Yeah. Because, and, and it is true, by the way. I mean, Phoenix was the, literally the worst team in the NBA three years it, ago. They were dog and, shit. <laughs> yeah, they were dog shit. And now they're going to be competing for, for, an, for a championship. Using them kind of as a model, you know, they drafted well. 
Mm-hmm. And they got two good young players, Booker Aiden, and then Chris Paul, you know, the veteran they bring in that it kind of uh it filled the team out. They got the right coach. Monty Williams is a great coach. So anyway, it can be done. I just I don't have any I don't have any faith. I don't have any confidence in, in anything involving uh this organization. But anyway, one more Sabres item, and then I want to get to Josh Allen quickly and then finish up with our starting five. Um, Lance Lazowski of the Buffalo News, and this is unrelated to uh press conferences and stuff like that today. Um, he were, earlier in the week he cited a source that uh, the Buffalo Sabers are higher on Ford William Eklund than any other Ford um, in this draft. I just want to get a take from you on that. It obviously, I mean, at this point, it's seeming more and more anyway. From what I'm reading, and I don't know these players well at all, but Owen Powers is starting to feel like he's going to be a lock for number one, and uh, obviously. Having Eklund ranked high, I mean, if you're talking about that, if you're going to take Owen Powers, that obviously would mean that the Sabres would trade either Eichel and or Reinhardt to a team that has a high pick. Because if you're talking about, you know, having a Ford at the top, that means you're going to have a top five to seven, eight pick alongside your pick. So, uh, I mean, that kind of goes without saying. But I just want to get your thoughts on on Eklund and, and what you think about what Lance tweeted. Well, I, I you know, I... I, I will never doubt Lance's sources. He's, he's clued in. Uh, but I live by one standard when it comes to draft talk, when it comes to, from people to know, trust no one. Because, and sure. it's, it's the same way in the NFL. It's the same, you know, same way, uh, not really in the NBA draft because you kind of know exactly like who you're taking there. But, um, but like NFL draft, like people are going to feed you misdirection. Like they're going to want to say, yeah, we're really interested. Yeah, we're really loving this guy. It's, uh, yeah, we're you know we're thinking. Yeah, we could pick him here. Like that that might be the play, and it's just it's just out there to 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 throw somebody else off and just say like, okay, maybe, maybe they're not going to take Owen Power. You know, maybe maybe you know maybe that's not going to work. You know, like you, you're putting a scare into Seattle or Anaheim or whoever behind you, and you know, kind of flipping that on its head. So, um, but if they are genuinely interested in William Eklund it'd be a really savvy pick uh, because he's, you know, he's an under, well, underage. He's like 17, 17, 18, playing in the Swedish, Swedish, you know, top Swedish league. And he's outperforming guys who were drafted last year, last year or two years ago. Um, uh, Lucas Raymond and uh, uh, Alexander Holtz, who was picked by the Devils last year. Uh, Raymond was picked by the the Red Wings. I don't know if it was last year. I don't know. Time. Time sucks. Like just time gets away, but he's a kid who's younger than those guys. Those guys are already young, and he's outperforming them. And like young guys in Europe, like it's great when they play in those top leagues, but like their minutes are usually kept way down. They're not getting, you know, they're not getting like the big opportunities. Like, but they're there and they're playing and they're learning, they're growing. Like that's great. But the fact that he's putting points up and more points than guys who were already drafted a year or two ago, like I don't know, man, that's pretty damn good. So like. You know, but but like that's you, you, it requires you to have like the scouting down with that. You know, and Adams today said like you know that he met with you know finally had a chance to meet in person with a bunch of their scouts had their had like their European scouts on Zoom, and I'm just kind of like, oh, you have European scouts? I, I wasn't aware of that. Now <laughs> I thought they all got fired a year ago, but um, but I mean, like that's I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he mentions that to just kind of have that dangling out in the wind to be like, oh yeah, our European scouts, you know, the guys that like William Eklund, uh huh, uh huh, uh-huh. we maybe we take him, uh huh. So that way you get people maybe talking your ear off, saying like, oh maybe we could trade up to one, maybe maybe we can swap with with Buffalo and 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 we can go up and get Owen Power and we can give them our pick and they can go get Eklund at this spot and then, 
it's all bull. It's all bullshit. <laughs> it's it's just all bullshit. Like it, the only time you ever believe somebody when they're when they're telling you that they're going to do something the draft is Mike Dicka in New Orleans when he says I'm trading all my picks for Ricky Williams. That's right. the only time you ever believe somebody at their at their face to do you know they're going to do a deal. So like I don't know. Like it's I he's a pick that I would really like, but I'm not falling in love with any of the prospects, even power like not going to sit here and go like, they got to get this guy. It's like, no, just get the right guys, please. You know, everybody's talking about, uh, you know, getting that first pick and then maybe getting another top 10 pick, which probably would be the case in a, in an Eichel or potentially a Reinhardt trade. But man, maybe they moved down from one too. Maybe we'll deep dive into this a little bit more next week. Some possibilities. Maybe we'll have a topic where we talk about a couple scenarios where, I mean, they would still trade Ry- Reinhardt or Eichel and get an extra pick, but maybe mm-hmm. they also trade down from one. Maybe they don't love Owen Power at one. Maybe they want Eklund or another guy at, you know, three or four or, four or something like that. Maybe mm-hmm. someone else loves Owen Power. Maybe that'll be a possibility. Maybe, we'll, But anyway, we'll dive on that next week. Quick break here, and then as soon as we get back, uh, I want to spend a couple minutes talking about Josh Allen. Be right back. Chris Sims from uh, NBC Sports put out his, I guess, as an annual quarterback rankings, and uh, he had Josh Allen ranked two. Okay, so we had Patrick Mahomes. That's obvious pick. Mm-hmm. But then he had Josh Allen. He had Josh Allen ranked ahead of Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to read off his uh, top 10 right here. He has Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Drew Stafford, Dak Prescott, and Tom Brady. Two things just jump off the page at me. Um, Tom Brady being ranked 10th is ridiculous. And I know that pisses off Bills fans. I don't care. How is Tom Brady ranked 10th? I don't care if he's 10,000 years old. Dude threw for 4,600 yards last year, 40 touchdowns, just 12 interceptions. And oh yeah, he won a Super Bowl in his first year with Tampa Bay. You're telling me he's the 10th ranked quarterback right now? Get, get out of here. But anyway, look, I love Josh Allen. I love to see Buffalo players get respect nationally. It's always fun. You know, it's one thing to have a Buffalo podcast or read the Buffalo news or a Buffalo blog and people are praising, you know, our our guys, our our players. But when it's a national, it always feels a little bit better. But in this case, is that a little bit too much? Like Josh Allen being ranked ahead of Aaron Rodgers. And he doesn't say like it's, you know, for the future. Like, if I was going to start a franchise tomorrow, yeah, I would take Josh Allen ahead of Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, but that's not the case. He's talking about the top-ranked quarterbacks for 2021. And he's got Josh Allen ahead of Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson and Tom Brady. And maybe Russell Wilson. Do you, I know you like Josh, but do you, do you think that's a little bit too high? Yeah, it's it's a little high. Um yeah, it's not because because I, I think in every like, I I think in the back of yeah, I mean some people's minds I'm not going to say all the Bills Mafia's minds I think oh Bills Mafia is like he's number one no matter what he's better than Mahomes but I think in the back of some people's minds are like what if what if year one or year two Josh comes back next year you know like that that thought is in the back of your head you're like I mean he made so many huge climbs last year. And it's such a huge improvement, but you're also thinking like, yeah, but he's still true. You know, like there's still the picks. There's still, you know, this, that, or the other thing. 
And I, I, I know that's like in the back of people's mind because every time he throws a pick, they're just like, oh, geez, there's old Josh again. Like, you know, there's always that worry that the, that the rug's going to get pulled out from under him and like, all you know, all hell's going to break loose and the bad stuff returns. Like that's I think that's just the Bills fan way of living, you know, except now because they're really good. And now everybody's like, Super Bowl, let's go. But I mean, number two, I don't know. I. I I need to know how far behind Mahomes he is on this list. Like, I, I like, I, I need like a quantitative ranking. Like, is he right. a thousand points ahead of Allen? Is he two points ahead of Allen? Like, how, how close? How close does he have those two guys? Because I can see you breaking it down, saying like, okay, Mahomes is number one with a bullet, no matter what. You take a couple of steps down, then there's Allen, and then you're like, he's, you know, Allen's right there with Aaron Rodgers. Then you take a couple more steps down, and it's Watson. Like, I, I, I want to know what the scale is for, for how he ranks them out. I, I, now that you told me that whole list, I'm just, I'm staggered. Honestly, hearing Matthew Stafford in the top 10, I'm like the whole time in Detroit, nobody put him in the top 10 of anything. And now it's like, Oh, he's with the Rams. He's got to win everything. God damn it. Jared Goff. <laughs> come on. But I mean, yeah. but like, that's a whole other thing, but like, but when it comes to Allen, like I, you can, I think you can very easily make a great argument that yeah, he's he's number two. I, I uh, firmly believe that he's not my number two. Look, I, I wish he was, and maybe if, I'll tell you what: if he plays this year like he did last year, yeah, I'll put him at number two. Mm-hmm. And if you want, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play this year, then it's a different story. If Deshaun Watson doesn't play this year because of legal issues, mm-hmm. that's a different story. I just. Is he more talented than Tom Brady physically right now? Sure. Is he a better quarterback right now than Tom Brady? I don't think, I don't, based on what? I, I I don't know, man. Let me ask you this. Okay, so obviously, look, rankings are subjective as shit, man. They're, mm-hmm. they're one person's opinion or they're one publication or organization's opinion. Nothing more, nothing less. I just ran off Chris Sims's ranking. Pro Football Focus, who's kind of notorious for being harsh on the bills, and I think they do that in part because it incites the fans and click, to click, click on click, it and they bitch about it. Yeah, clickbait, whatever you want to call it. They had their list of the top 50 players in the whole NFL, regardless of position, and Josh Allen was only 40th. Now, I think that's bullshit. The guy finished second in the NFL in MVP voting, so I, I think that is very egregious to only have him 40th. He was the fifth quarterback on their list, by the way. Mahomes was second overall in the league. Aaron Donald, by the way, was number one overall. But it was Mahomes second, uh, Brady seventh, Aaron Rodgers was 10th, and Russell Wilson, who I don't agree with, they had as the fourth-ranked quarterback. He was 22nd. I don't think Russell Wilson at this point should be ranked ahead of uh, Josh Allen. But anyway, those are subjective rankings that are one person or one organization's opinion. Let me ask you this question, because I think this is a fair question, and I don't think Bills, a lot of Bills fans, at least some anyway, don't like to think about it because it's scary. But we, we all know Josh is about to get his ass paid. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's going to be in the next month or two or sometime during the season or after the season, but Josh is going to get those bags, right? No question about that. Here's the thing, Joe. He had a phenomenal MVP-worthy 2020. He was shitty in 2018 as a rookie, which, to be fair, is kind of expected. Right. And he was pretty good. Maybe he was above average in 2019. He did get the Bills to the playoffs. He was okay. He was good. And then he was great one year. And that's the thing, though. One year. If you go sign him, let's just say, before camp starts or during camp before this season, and you're going to give this guy $40 million, north of $40 million per year based on one 
amazing MVP caliber season. Isn't it a little bit scary to you? It is to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, but like, that's, that's why you're in a tough spot because like, if you wait after this year, are you tacking on another 10 million a year to that, to the contract you think you have in mind? You might be like, I mean, I mean, he's not going to make Mahomes money. Like, I don't think anybody should be making Mahomes money. Aaron Donald probably should be making Mahomes money as, as a terrifying defensive lineman. But like Mahomes is only a year older than him, but he's proved it for multiple years that he's, that he's an elite player. Deshaun Mm -hmm. Watson does again, legal shit that's going on right now. He's proved over multiple seasons. He's elite. And that's why he got that great contract. Mm -hmm. And I don't think financially there's concerns about the talent of these guys, but Josh Allen's going to get, Maybe not as much as those two, or maybe we'll get as much as Deshaun. But again, based on one outstanding year, and he he might get paid before the season even starts. So you're literally yeah. doing it based on one awesome year. That's scary to me. Yeah, and I wonder if maybe the <laughs> a beneficial way of of watering down a potential future contract is like, well, you know, Josh, you you've done awesome. We love that the work that you've done, but you really only broke out when Stefan Diggs showed up. So you know, like just. Maybe we don't need to pay as much because, you know, you got Stefan. So, you know, he's your guy. Like, you throw to him a ton. And we got you Cole Beasley. And, he, you know, he's your safety he's your safety valve guy. Like, we gave you the parts to make you good. Maybe it's on the parts, not the guy. Like, I mean, that's a ridiculous argument to make. But it's one where if you're, you know, you know at loggerheads about figuring out a contract, you don't want it to get that ugly. But, like... That's another argument you can make, though. You'd be like, he only broke out because he finally had receivers, which then you say, like, well, if you take away the receivers, what is he? And then you're like, I don't know. Didn't we get a look at that before? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, but like, I need not that I want to, you know, not that I want Diggs or Beasley to get hurt. And then he's got to, you know, figure it out with like a circus of of no names to try to get it done. But like, I you know, like you, you'd like to have another year before you go dropping a 40, 45 million dollar a year contract on him. Like, you, I. That's why I think, like, I don't want to say Super Bowl or bust, but because the AFC is nasty. But like, dude, you got to you got to show like you like you got. And you know what? Like, it's so tough. And like, I, I, I've gotten a laugh from seeing a lot of like Bills fans, like kind of dunking on Tua for having a rough season last year with, with Miami. And I'm like. What if he has a breakout like Allen does? Like, like, like suddenly the division was is not no worse easy. Le- yeah, Tua was no worse last year than Josh Allen was in 2018 as a rookie. Right. So, I mean, like, if Tua has a big breakout, which we know he's got the talent to do it, I know suddenly the division's not as easy because you got the Dolphins, like, right there. And Dolphins looked okay last year. They just, you know, weren't consistent at quarterback. But I don't know. But, like, getting Allen paid, like, Allen's going to get paid. But it's just devoting that kind of money to – to him based on one year that's that's it's hard you got to do like, it that's though football. i think but like that's football I, like their career you got to do it you got to do it you have to do you don't it you have a choice it's scary but it's scary it, it's a fair point to say it's scary that's not i don't think Josh Allen's going to uh i don't think he's going to suck i don't think he's going to mm-hmm. go into the tank no. i think he's going to be a very very good player i think it's a fair prediction to say that the Josh Allen we saw last year is going to be as good as it gets but if you get that Josh Allen that's you know, again, MVP caliber football. Mm-hmm. Okay, if he doesn't, if that's the best he's going to be, but if he's going to play at that level for the next five, six years, awesome. Yeah. Awesome, I'm in. Run the football better. Get yeah. a couple guys to make a couple plays and, and you'll win a Super Bowl. You, you know, know, there's teams right now that'll win a Super Bowl 
shit, man. Look with the Cleveland Browns. If they just get Baker Mayfield to be as good as Ryan Tannehill was with Tennessee a couple years ago, mm-hmm. Cleveland might win a Super Bowl. You know, you don't. Yeah. But it's scary. It's scary. But, it's scary to be that, that much money on one great season. It's it is scary. It's just it's scary. Now let, let me pose a question to you: If the, you get Allen signed to a monster contract, do you do you tend to, then tell Brian Dable take out all the play call runs for him, get him out of there? Like do, I don't want you to call like a, qu- a quarterback sweep or do these these option plays where some DN's going to come roaring around the corner and blast them in the face, like take all that shit out of the playbook because every time he runs, I'm like, this could be it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, he's fast. Yeah. He's, he's physical. He's big. Like the whole, the whole nine, but like, so is everybody else on the field. I think, and I think little backs by are little. a little bit more dangerous when trying to tackle somebody big. Cause they're going to go low. Sure. It's scary. It's very scary. And, and the way he runs and, and puts his body out there, it's very scary. I think they've made a concerted effort to try to get him to run a little bit less each year, but that's part of his makeup. That's part of what makes right. him like, you don't want to you know, take away a weapon, level. but like at the same point, you got to be thinking, well, we just, we're paying him, you know, 40 plus million a year now. Like we can't, we can't have him just going, you know, you know, run renegade out there and just doing whatever. Like you got, you got to put it on your line to protect them so they can just stand back there and fire bombs. Yeah. Well, he, look, it's the perfect storm where Josh has all the, all the power. He has all the leverage. His team has lacked a, franchise quarterback since Jim Kelly left everybody yeah. knows that he uh, he just finished second in the MVP voting they need him they, they ain't gonna start over at quarterback you know they're mm-hmm. not going to uh they're not gonna play money ball with him they're not they're not gonna lowball him he's no. gonna get paid mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that I don't think he should just so we're clear I'm just saying that it's a scary proposition to pay a guy as much money as he's gonna get he's mm-hmm. gonna be one of the top two to five paid quarterbacks in the NFL when he gets his contract. It's a scary proposition to pay a guy that much money based on one MVP caliber season. That's all I'm saying. It's, it's scary business, man. It is. And you got to do it though, but you got to do it. You know, I don't know. Like I I just look at it. Like you you have to do it. And if it comes back to bite you because he gets hurt, that's just shit luck. And like the NFL, like you can get out of those contracts too, but like you got to eat, you got to eat a lot of shit on the, against the cap for it. But like, at le- you know, the, you know, it sucks for the players, but at least you have that ability to just kind of like, all right, we can, we can avoid this. Like we, we can get away from it if we have to. It's just that it just means finding another quarterback, finding a new way to go about things and trying to get that. You're, you're not quite square one, but it's pretty close. The difference between the second contract and the first contract and now and say 10 years ago is it used to be, like you would draft Sam Bradford, for an example, first overall, and then that guy, or, or Stafford from, from Detroit, who, who was a great quarterback. But anyway, these guys get piles and mounts and mounts of money before they ever took a snap because there was no rookie cap. So if you missed on a quarterback early in his career in that first contract, you were screwed because all the money, because there was a salary cap, and you would give Sam Bradford $26 million a year or whatever, and he'd get hurt every other game or whatever. What, what today's NFL... You could take a stab on a rookie quarterback. If Josh Allen would, would not have been good, come back the next year or two years. Like Arizona did it. They took Josh Rosen 10th overall, and then the next year they took mm-hmm. Kyler Murray because the financial risk isn't that bad. If you identify you don't like that quarterback early, so you have that luxury, but once you get into that second contract, like Josh Allen's about to get into, mm-hmm. now you are screwed. If you, if you invest, you sell the farm to, to give him his money, his bags, and something happens, he, he starts getting injured a lot or he just regresses, yeah, 
that hurts because to sign him, that means you're sacrificing money in other positions. Mm-hmm. You're going out and you're trying to find more cheap labor, more rookies, and you're letting more talented veterans walk to make up for that money. So once you get in that second contract, like I said, man, mm-hmm. just, just scary, man. It, it's scary. You know what else is scary? I'm going to segue right into our, our starting five here to, to end this. <laughs> What's scary is that uh, I thought we were going to have a close poll last week, and we didn't. <laughs> this, the streak, if there's one con- constant with, with Pat and Joe in these uh, starting five weekly drafts is that they're not close. Whoever wins, wins big. <laughs> last, week, last week, it was best animated or cartoon series. I literally, I would have bet that would have been maybe a six point or less um, final poll. Nope. Joe got 64%. I only got 36. Joe took the recap. So you took the Simpsons, Batman, uh, the Batman animated series, the Venture Bros, Family Guy, Bugs Bunny, Roadrunner show. That was your draft. And that netted you 64%. I took Tom and Jerry, Scooby-Doo, South Park, the Flintstones, and Beavis and Butthead. That only got me 36%. So apparently no love for my classics, man. Tom, Jerry, Scooby-Doo, the Flintstones. It, it didn't play well with the audience this week. I'm going to be honest with you, man. This is why I'm like, how'd you win this big? And maybe it's my own fault for not knowing. But I'm like, last week when we were drafting, I had my list and my thoughts for each. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you pick this, I'm, a, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be like, what's the Venture Bros? <laughs> I didn't even know what it was. Never even heard it. I, I, I didn't. Well, I've never seen Paul it. Hamilton. He didn't know either. I've never seen it, and and I've barely heard of it. I really thought, I'm not saying I, I thought I was going to win, but I thought it was going to be really, really close. I knew you having the Simpsons and Family Guy mm-hmm. together, plus Bugs Bunny Roadrunner show was going to play well. But I thought maybe the Batman cartoon, especially Venture Bros, might hurt you. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't. I, well, based on the, what people were replying to us about these things, I thought I was going to get crushed because everybody was killing me for not having the Flintstones or not having South Park. And I was just like, Pat made good picks like that. That's the way it goes. And I, but again, like I stand by the picks I made, I'll stand by them all the time. Obviously I won. So clearly it's good, but, um, <laughs> but like, I, I mean, you know, what I, would I want to have South park in there? Sure. Of course. But like, that's why we draft them. That's why, that's why the draft happens, my friend. But, uh, but yeah, even I'm surprised by the wide margin here. And I've, I figured I had it in the bag just, just because, but like, I don't know. Like everybody who responded was definitely supporting you. And I was just like, oh shit, man, maybe this is not going to pan out for me because I raced out to an early lead and then I didn't look at it. I, I put that last call out on Sunday while I was out at, uh, I was out at the, the stadium and I was like, just bury Pat. I guess everybody did. So <laughs> I don't know if that's what put it over the top or not, but no, I was already buried by then. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. So l- let's see what happens this week. Again, this week's uh, starting five draft will be favorite all-time wrestlers. And that's, Pretty goddamn self-explanatory. We're going to draft our five personal favorite wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And then like always on Friday afternoon, I'll, I'll put the poll up on Twitter and encourage fans to vote. Go at Pat tweets for me or at Joe Yurden for, for Joe either or because I'm sure he'll retweet it and just uh, vote for your favorite. I'll run it all weekend. Um, yeah, and this is a self-indulgent poll. I mean, I'm, I'm a wrestling fan. I never really talk about wrestling on this podcast because I've tried to do a couple wrestling shows, Joe, and... When I do, the, the, the downloads stake. Nobody seems to care about wrestling except me. I mean, I might sneak in a, a couple of minutes here and there, but for the most part, that's it. Whatever. We'll see how the poll plays. I really don't care. Again, self-indulgent one. I'm looking last week. Yeah, you know what? I had the first pick last week, and I took Tom and Jerry 
And I thought that was going to get some hype. And it honestly, it didn't. That was an underwhelming first round pick. That was that didn't, was Tony. That was Tony Mandarich, man. Yeah, Who's the guy who got drafted in front of Sam Reinhardt? Sam, uh, same Sam. Oh, Sam. Aaron Eckblad. No, no, no. <laughs> Wasn't it? No, it was a Sam. The Calgary oh, dude, Sam, oh, Bennett? Sam Bennett. That was behind yeah. Reinhardt. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking. I was just thinking. Of, I was thinking of underwhelming picks and top overall picks. I guess <laughs> that's what it played out at. I thought. I thought people would love Tom and Jerry. They didn't. But anyway, that means that you're going to have the first pick again. Five favorite wrestlers, and yeah, you're up first. What do you got? Okay. So yeah, this this is fun. I like that it's our favorite, not the best, because best is way too subjective. Like, just we could argue. We could argue best forever. When it comes about when it comes scripted down. outcome wrestling. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Who is our best actor in the ring? Like, mm-hmm. let's go from there. Uh, but oddly enough, the guy that I'm going to pick as my my number one favorite uh, was an actor in a very small handful of things. And I just wanted to tell you, I came here to kick ass and chew bubblegum. Oh, I'm all boy. <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper. He's, he's number one with a bullet for me. I friggin' love Rowdy Roddy Piper. He's like... He was such a wild man in WWE, like the the insane stuff, like this thing with Snooka, he bashes Snooka over the head with a coconut, and you're just like, okay, that's awful. But like every every time he was in some kind of big feud or whatever, the promos and Piper's Pit and everything, man, like that dude just commanded your attention at all times. And he was just so great in the ring. And like, you know, wrestling wasn't high event, like high craziness back in the 80s. Like, it, you know, it's everybody's doing hammer punches and you know, kicks to the stomach and all that stuff. But like, man, Piper just like owned everything because like when he played a heel, man, you hated him. You absolutely hated Piper. But like when he was the face, ain't nobody better soaking up the crowd and just like winning you, winning you over than Piper, man. Like he was, he was so good at everything that he did. And it was just, it's so sad that you know, when he died, but like, oh man, he was just like so great. I, I can wax poetic about Piper forever, but like that dude just friggin' ruled. I'll tell you what, I don't think he ever got the credit he deserved for the rock and wrestling in the mid-80s becoming what it did. It was obviously Hulk Hogan, you know, Cindy Lauper, they got all the credit, but you mm-hmm. had to have, for Hulk Hogan, for that to work, you had to have the perfect heel. Right. Man, was Roddy Piper the perfect heel, the right time, the right place for that situation. By the way, he was in my top four, so it's not like that. Yeah. So some people might think that being first overall could be a reach. It wasn't a big reach to me because he, mm-hmm. he was definitely in my top four. All right, so I got two here. Uh, the first one, actually, the first one's pretty easy. The first one's pretty easy I've because I'm a lifelong wrestling fan, even though I don't really watch him much now, but he's still kind of involved now. And he was the man when I was a kid. Ric Flair, I, I got to go Ric Flair first. Mm-hmm. I've I've always liked Ric Flair. He, he always went from good guy to bad guy so like effortlessly. He's one of the greatest. He certainly has the greatest gimmick, I think, even though it's not original, by the way. What was it? Um, what was G- Gorgeous George? I, I think that's yeah. who he kind of you know, stole the gimmick from originally yep. and then just took it to another level. But he lived the life, man. <laughs> he has lived the life of the wrestler. Like he is just an exaggerated version. His character is an exaggerated version of who he really is, man. Mm-hmm. I've just, I've liked him for so long and, and again, so many territories. And it was just at a time where wrestling for me was the best. And uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, he's probably the most, I'm not going to lie. He'll probably play well too. I mean, it's probably the most recognizable wrestling name out there. Mm-hmm. And again, we're going favorites. All right. Now let me emphasize it's not the best. And yep. we both said that. So 
My second pick is going to be, some people are going to be like, huh? And <laughs> I mean, but I, you know what? I was a kid and he was my favorite wrestler ever as a kid. Jimmy Superfly Snuka. I loved watching him when he went off that cage against Don Morocco in the early 80s. It was incredible. I grew up as a kid going to wrestling every month at the odd. My dad would take me and I didn't care about Hogan or any of those other guys at that time. I wanted to watch Jimmy Snuka wrestle, which sucks because, again, uh, he's an alleged murderer. So, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm not comfortable really, you know, talking about that aspect, but I just loved him. And by the way, you want to talk about the, the coconut? I mean, you just talked about what Piper, that was obviously with Jimmy Snuka. That was one of my favorite angles ever because Jimmy Snuka was actually a bad guy in WWF, managed by Lou Albano. Mm-hmm. And then Lou Albano kind of turned on him. And Ray Stevens, the crippler, pile-drived him on the concrete. I'll never forget that shit. And then he became a good guy from there. And then he had the big feud with Piper. Mm-hmm. It was it, just awesome. Never became WWF champion. Whatever. I don't care. Again, these are favorites, not the best. So I'm going Ric Flair and Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Now, you're going to be up on the clock for I two. Li- I like that. Like, I, I, I respect the picks. Like, those, like those, I respect, especially Flair. I mean, Flair's the great. Flair also cut a promo talking, like, hyping up Troy, New York for a WCW uh, I Quit match that he had with Terry Funk, which the match itself is incredible. But, like, the promo that he cut is unbelievable considering what age. Like, it was, like, 1990 in Troy, and he's, like, hyping up Troy as, like, the greatest city in the world. And I'm like, dude, Troy was a shithole in 1990. Like, they're, play- like they're wrestling at the, the RPI Fieldhouse, which is, like, my second home uh back there but like the promo that he cut like i have it saved on my phone like i recorded it all like i have a rick flair dvd set around here someplace and i recorded it off my phone just to have it on me at all times because it's so insane but my picks now are these are these are easy like getting the first one out of the way was the tough one i think mm-hmm. these are easier now because my next pick is ooh yeah the macho <laughs> man macho man randy savage just an unbelievable Dude, and like he's a guy that like all the stories you hear about him, like aside from like you know away from the ring and like you know how he was, uh, you know erstwhile, are like they're all insane. And like he was a really big baseball talent too. Like he was, I forget, he I think he was drafted by somebody, and he was like supposed to be a ball player, and he's like yeah, get, got into wrestling. And I think the, the favorite thing that I that I learned about him is that everybody everybody likes to mimic the voice. They like to do it. Well, yeah. That's the way the dude talked. He wasn't doing an act like that. He just talked really gravelly and he just like would just enunciate louder. And like that, that dude just ruled macho man, the high flyer, the, you know, the, the whole storyline with uh, Miss Elizabeth, um, just like incredible stuff. And then when he went to WCW, when everybody flipped to WCW, he was like an insane person, macho madness. Like he was just a crazy yeah. person. And like that just made him more entertaining to me. Like that was just kind of like, all right, like WCW was insane to watch anyways, but like seeing, seeing a guy like macho, just like running around and just being a, a crazy person was great. Um, my next one. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> he's still wrestling now, uh, but not in WWE. It's Chris Jericho. Yeah. Good um, this dude, like, I hated him in WCW. Like, he was a whiny dude. He was just, like, doing all this stuff. Like, he, you know, he had those feuds with, like, you know, Ray Mal- or, uh, Dean Malenko. And, like, the, 
like my favorite meme of his is when he's he's like, you know, Dean Malenko called himself the master of a thousand holds. And Chris Jericho is, oh, I'm the master of a thousand and one holds. And he comes in the ring, pulls out the giant list and every other one is arm bar. And I'm just like, arm oh, my bar. God. <laughs> but like that dude, oh, man, like he like, but I hated him like because he annoyed the, the piss out of me. But that but that meant he was good. Like if you can get that kind of reaction from somebody, it's like, no, they're doing their job. And then when he jumped to WWE and that first appearance where, you know, the rocks trying to interrupt them, like he cut, like he comes out and interrupts the rock. First of all, you know, rocks giving a promo in the ring. And then the whole, you know, the, the Y2J countdown starts up and he comes out and like the place goes ape shit. And he cut like the most unreal promo I've ever seen. Like it's a legendary promo where he just like, he silences the rock and goes off on everybody. And it was incredible. Like dude just like owns all the time. And he's just like, a great personality in the ring and like owns his characters constantly. And then like in the ring, he was much more fun to watch when he was younger. Obviously most of these guys were, but like he's like, he's adapted. Like now he's like, he's an older, heavier dude and AEW, and that's fine. He'll be a hardcore guy now. Like he'll just, he'll just get in these nasty blood brawls. And he's like, I don't care. I don't give a shit. But like that dude's been everywhere. Japan, all, you know, WCW, WWE, AEW, like everywhere, you know, uh, Frig, I think he was in ECW for a hot second too. Like just an awesome, awesome, awesome performer. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, I love Jericho. He, he just, he, re, he reinvents himself so many times he's done that before. And his run in WWE, the last run he had before he left and ultimately mm-hmm. ended up in AEW. Now that was one of the best. And he was what, 27, 28 years into his career mm-hmm. at that point. The partnership he had with Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens, the list yeah. that he had, you just made the list. That, yeah. that was awesome. One quick note too about Randy Savage. He actually w- lived and grew up right where I am right now near Sarasota, Florida. In fact, he mm-hmm. died down here. I want to say near St. Petersburg. He had, a, I believe, in a, the motorcycle accident. In fact, I've, I've seen on the news, the tree, there's like some kind of memorial where he is. So anyway, he was, mm-hmm. uh, that's where he's from, where I'm at right now. All right, so I got two here. Um, my third pick. My personal favorite wrestler, like actual wrestler of all time is Kurt Angle. So I'm going to go with Kurt Angle and I loved his nerdiness. You know, the Olympic, I didn't like so much when he went to TNA and later in his career, even back in WWE and became a little more uh, serious. Like he was an aggressive guy. Yeah, I liked him when he was a clown. I thought he was, again, he's my favorite actual physical wrestler of Mm -hmm. all time but he was also one of the best characters of all time because he played this dunce, you know, this, uh, this nerd. I'll never forget when he had a rap battle with John Cena in the ring. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. I had the Kurt Angle, uh, three eyes t-shirt. I remember buying that or no, no, it wasn't a three eyes. It was the, it's true. It's true. T-shirt. Okay. I used to wear that all the time in the early two thousands. I remember buying that. Yeah. It's just one of the best, underrated characters and best wrestlers of all time. And if it wasn't for the injuries, which led to the, to the drugs, the painkillers and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, if that wouldn't happen and slowed him down, I think you'd be talking about him alongside somebody like Shawn Michaels as the actual greatest, maybe in ring performer in the history of the business. So I'm going to go Kurt Angle. This one, I, 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 most people would have thought this would have been the first pick. I I'm sitting here staring him in the fourth round. I I can't look past him anymore. And that's the rock. Mm -hmm. I mean, dude, for probably, I don't know what, three, four years during the Attitude Era, I literally put on wrestling every Monday night or Thursday night, SmackDown, whenever, Tuesday night, whenever they had it going on because it always switched. I just couldn't wait to hear him talk. Best promo ever. 
mm-hmm. the best on the mic that's ever done it in the WWE. He was just fucking hilarious, man. He was hilarious. <laughs> he was hilarious. His promos were legendary. To this day, I'll still jump on YouTube from time to time and I'll look up the rock promos. Mm-hmm. Nobody did it better than him. He, you want to, again, talking about reinventing himself, he was a corny Rocky Maivia guy that the fans shit on. Then he joined the Nation of Domination and then he just became too big for it. It was funny. And I know now he's the big movie star, yada, 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 but I don't care. I'm not talking about The Rock now. The Rock during mm-hmm. the Attitude Era and maybe a little bit beyond that. One of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So yeah, I got Kurt Angle. I got The Rock. So I'm up to four. You drafted Piper, Savage, and Jericho. That means you got the next two. So these are your last two. Last two. So I, you were talking and I was listening intently. And then the guy that I had in mind flew right out of my brain. And I'm just like, oh, no, come back. So now, <laughs> so now like, I'm going to... I'm going to try to halfway stall uh, a little bit so that hopefully it comes back. But, um, oh, no, it's back. Never mind. Um, how this, how his name could slip out of my mind is, is insane. But uh, Mick Foley in every iteration that yeah. he had. Mankind, Cactus Jack, dude, like even friggin' Dude Love. Like <laughs> Dude Love was a hilarious, stupid character. But like everything that dude's done in his career has been full on incredible. And like, He's a dude Agreed. that like grew up and lived the bit like he loved wrestling before he was even in it. And then like he's he's the embodiment of like what pro wrestling is to me. And like everything about him has always spoken to me that like he's a dude that A, he gets it and B, he appreciates everything about it and the, the people around him that help make it what, it, you know, what it's become now. So that to me stands out. But like, again, like that attitude era when he was, you know, the, you know, the, the, he was mankind and he was just, you know, the scared dude with the mask on and, and Sako and all that shit. And it was just like, he was intimidating. Like he was a scary dude. And then like he snapped out of it. And then suddenly he was goofing around and you know, the rock and sock connection and everything like that. It was mm-hmm. just so fun. Yeah. So, yeah. So like Foley, like Foley's an automatic for me. Um, the next one, it's probably going to cost me the poll. I'm guaranteeing that because uh, this guy's my favorite wrestler out of Japan. And this guy's the Stone Cold Steve Austin of Japan, which I should just pick Stone Cold Steve Austin. I loved Austin. <laughs> and I probably just gave you your last pick. Um, but I can't pass on the, like, I should just take Austin and just like add this guy into my, no, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to play to the votes this time. This one, I'm selling out because that's what you do in wrestling. You sell out Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, I can't pick the guy wrestling. who emulates Stone Cold Steve Austin <laughs> and skips ever, Stone Cold Steve if Austin. If you're ever going to sell out, this is the the week to do it. This is the the category to do it is wrestling for sure. <laughs> um, it's I mean it's insane that he's lasted this long, but I get it. Like we have our favorites, but I mean, oh my god! Like I just think of all the insane shit I've seen him do. Like I, the only reason WWE made a comeback at all was Austin. Like, you know, you had Michaels and he was, you know, he's all, he was all caught up in drugs and, you know, you you had Bret Hart, but like Bret Hart's great, but like kind of boring. Like he's not like not a big personality there. And, you know, Hogan and all those guys took off to WCW and then Stone Cold shows up and just starts beating everybody's ass and not giving a shit about what anybody says. And like, he was supposed to be a heel. Like, that's the thing that gets me. This dude, like he wins the King of the Ring. He was supposed to be a heel and like everybody was just like, oh, 
wait a minute, this dude rules. That was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and like, he, like just the, the full embodiment of what he was, you know, raging against the machine, you know, fighting back against the man, the whole thing, you know, the corporation. Um, and I got to give it up to him because like the, the, the biggest, like the most, one of his biggest moments was the beer truck spraying down the rock and, and Vince and those guys that happened in Albany. Like that, yeah. <laughs> like, the, the beer truck came out, it was decrescenti distributors. And I bowled against, uh, I bowled against, uh, the decrescenti's daughter, uh, like in high school bowling. So it was just kind of like, wow, okay. Yeah. You have money because your, your, your family truck is on friggin' wrestling. So yeah. But, um, there's too many things to go down with Austin. Like there's too many incredible matches. There's too many incredible moments. And like, I mean, I just think of like him against Hart at WrestleMania, 13, 11, 12, 13, something like that. It was 13. was 13. Like that, oh my God, what an unbelievable, that's just like a gruesome, gruesome, incredible match. Like that. Double turn. It was the double turn match where they, all of a sudden Hart was getting booed and also became the good guy. Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, yeah. Like I I talked myself out of it. Like I was going to pick the guy who's the stone cold of Japan instead of just picking stone cold. You might've, you might've saved yourself. I think I did. Yes. I I think if you took, if if you didn't take Austin, I think you were doomed. All right. So I got a two horse race here. This is the last pick. And I mean, well, I don't have to worry about you taking either. So I'll just, I could say it. (laughs) I'm stuck here between two guys. One is Eddie Guerrero Mm. and the other one is Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. Nice. Just the nice, the, 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 uh, the promos with Kurt Henning when he was Mr. Perfect and he would show him throwing a, a strike in bowling or, you know, throwing the football and then running and catching it and hitting a home run. I remember he did a video with Wade Boggs with baseball. That, that was awesome shit. Plus he was the best seller in the business. So like Dolph Mm -hmm. Ziggler today, you know, it looks like he's getting killed every time he gets hit. That was Kurt Henning, but I'm, I'm not going to take him. I'm going to take Eddie Guerrero. I have to take Eddie Guerrero because a, I loved watching him wrestle. Uh, B, he was one of the funniest characters I've ever seen when, when he became lie, cheat, and steal. That that mm-hmm. shit was fucking hilarious, where he would take a weapon, hit himself, pretend like he knocked himself out, and then you know throw something in the ref and then act like he was knocked out. That was some <laughs> funny-ass shit, man. I loved watching Eddie Guerrero. And... and you know, and again, side what happened to him was was very sad and, and very tragic. So yeah, I feel good about that, and yeah. I, and I do feel like I think we might have had a sellout pick each. I think you yeah. sold out with Austin, and I think I sold out with The Rock. Here's how. All right, yeah. so let me review this. You quickly. can't argue with either. Like that's the best part. Like you could just be like, oh, I shouldn't take. Really going to argue that? Like come on. They're two of the most popular wrestlers who, who've ever lived. So I, I think we would have gotten killed if neither of us took them. Um, all right, so Joe took Roddy Piper. Randy Macho Man Savage, Chris Jericho, Mick Foley, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. I took Ric Flair, Jimmy Superfly Snuka, Kurt Angle, The Rock, and Eddie Guerrero. A couple names I want to mention that neither of us took that I think, I think my prediction is this, Joe. I think we're going to get more people bitching about who we didn't take, which is pretty much every week and every poll. Maybe this week more than ever because... We left a lot of big, big, big names off oh, the yeah. board. Hulk Hogan, The Undertaker, Sting, Cena, mm-hmm. uh, Andre the Giant, if you want to go back. And then you talked about two of them when you were deliberating your picks. Bret Hart and, and Shawn Michaels, mm-hmm. regarded as two of the greatest wrestlers of all time. So I, I'm sure people are going to come up with their own five that neither of us picked any of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I feel good about my picks. Like I said, I was struggling between Eddie Guerrero and Mr. Perfect. I also had a couple other ones that I've written down. Uh, I liked Bob Becklin in the, in the <laughs> late 70s. Corny-ass Bob Becklin. I liked, yeah. I liked him. I liked watching him wrestle, though. And I thought Dusty Rhodes was a really good character, yeah. too, when I was a kid anyway. You know, just big, fat dude, talk funny, or, you know, the Southern twang, whatever. But mm-hmm. I really enjoyed him, man. So, I don't know. How you feeling? Or how do you feel like this poll is going to go? We say it I, every week, and then it never is close. Yeah, I, you ran down the names, and suddenly I felt a lot better because I because I, I mean I think everybody loves Macho Man. Um, I think Jericho's got enough pull, and Mick Foley too. Yeah, you uh, don't have no like, reaches. Like Piper, yeah. I mean, pipe me taking Piper first is probably a risk because you know because everybody's on the board. But like, I feel I feel no. I feel no qualms about that because I think that's a, a, a perfect pick. Um, but the but I picking Stone Cold, I saved myself though. There's no doubt because people are going to look at the poll and be like, "He's got Stone Cold, he wins." Or they, you know, uh, but like the guy I was going to pick, the 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 guy I refer to as Stone Cold from Japan is Tetsuya Naito. And I, if you're a hyper wrestling nerd, you know Naito, and I know he, him. But then you would have made me have to try to look up how to spell him. <laughs> but he's uh that dude is just he exudes cockiness and swagger and like you know incredible ability in the ring and everything like that dude just friggin rules like he get you know if he's got a belt he'll just throw it up in the ring he doesn't give a shit like he comes out and if some like if the ring announcer mispronounces his name he'll just start walking to the back again just be like forget it. i'm just forget you like it's just he just sees it like forget this he's got insane hair like the dude is just the dude is just swagger and like, he's uh, like, he's part of like a, uh, well, it's it an old faction, uh, Los Ingobernables of Japan. And it was like the, these Mexican wrestlers went over to Japan and they made this faction and like, he's in it. And then like Andrade from WWE, he was in it when he was in Japan, like the whole bunch of dudes and they were great. Uh, and the other one I was thinking of was Booker T, which good one. He gets clowned on for like what he did in WWE, like with the Spinner Rooney and all that shit. But his WCW work is out fucking standing. That sure. dude, like he was a high flyer. He was a big dude. And he was doing like all this sick shit. Him and Harlem Heat with, with Stevie Ray. Like Stevie Ray was was the meat. He was the muscle. And Booker yeah. was Booker was the high flyer active guy, which, you know, as soon as he came to WWE, they're like, you're not jumping off the ropes anymore. Like that's like they they let him do the they they let him do the Houston hangover once at a pay per view and it didn't go well and they're like yeah no never again dude you're not gonna it's like when like when Lesnar there's another guy we didn't put on like when Lesnar tried to do the shooting star press and he almost broke his neck and they're just like yeah you're not doing that again like I was there when that happened I was in Seattle oh man that was, oh, that's right. that was Safeco yeah, yeah um, but the uh, but my favorite Booker T stuff is the best of seven match. He did the best of seven series with Chris Benoit. Yep, I remember. Every single match was unreal. Like every single one. And Benoit, you know, I can't pick Benoit. Like you killed your family, dude. Like, yeah, you have problems. Yeah, whatever. I can't pick you. Like I can't pick Hogan. Like it's just, I was the biggest Hogan kid ever growing up. Loved Hulk Hogan. Then you get to know about him. Then you learn about him. You're just like, man, this guy sucks. Like you learn about how all the other wrestlers hated him, how he like, made it so that they couldn't get like a wrestler's union because he was just like, yeah, I, I, I don't need this. Told Vince, he's like, yeah, screw these guys. Get them out of here. I'm like, going to pay just, for take. I'm going to pay for taking Snooker for some of those very same reasons. I could, I could tell. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to predict you win. I'm going to predict you win. 
but I'm going to stick to Ric Flair carries a lot of weight, man. Like I say like Stone Cold might swing it for me. Ric Flair and the Rock might swing it for you. Like, Mm, I don't know. I don't think my five, I, I think I think you could poke holes through at least one, if if not two of mine for sure. So I think I'm going to pay for that. But uh, anyway, all right. So here's what we're going to do. We're, we're, we're going to end this for today. I'm going to put again. I'm going to put these poll up on Twitter. I'm going to go 58 42. I'm going to predict you win 58 42. But regardless, we'll find out next week. Again, go on Twitter this week and uh, vote. This was fun. Again, last episode ever. Well, I don't want to say ever, man, because you never know, Joe. Last episode <laughs> for now in florida i will be back in buffalo next week have no idea who's gonna be on the show tuesday or what the hell i'm doing casual friday me and joe will be back next friday maybe it'll be this way maybe who knows maybe we'll look up together somewhere during the week sit down and uh Mm -hmm. tape something but again i thank you at the beginning i gotta thank you now again because you've been a very big part of this podcast especially over the last few months man i can't tell you how much i appreciate having you on so thank you very very much joe and thanks for always letting me ramble on aimlessly and make this podcast go about 25 minutes longer than it probably should.